This week's guest, Paul Valencourt. That guy's okay. He's all right. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know Paul, he's a longtime improviser. I've known you for, what, 20 years, probably? Oh, my God. At least, Miles. I've been out here for almost 20 years, and I knew you for a few years before that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, actually, <laughs> Paul wrote uh, a book called The Triangle of the Scene. That is correct. Right? Available on iTunes and Kindle. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Actually, I actually tried to buy that oh. at, at one point. Uh, I appreciate your efforts. And I, and I, well, I, something screwed me up, and then I was trying to read it for free. Oh, great. Because <laughs> I'm cheap. No, but I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was reading some of it, and what it got me thinking was that I actually would uh, kind of remember Paul was a, a student of mine like a long time ago when I was much more complex, I would say. Complicated, okay. sure. Let's say. Oh, yeah. uh, what, 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 what I'm remembering is that that uh, thing I came up with that that uh, that wound up looking like we, we called it the vagina of comedy because it was a diagram. Yes. That was it was so incredibly involved. Yes. Oh, it's definitely heady. Yes. I guess I would say maybe you're heading more heady back then. Yes. I was more heady. I was, it was. It was a show that had to be explained to the cast with a diagram. Yes. Uh, yeah, Think Loud in the Idiot Box. That was the one, right? Think Loud in the Idiot Box, yeah. which, which, as I recall, like to my satisfaction, was done well like twice. Sure. Well, you were very exacting. I was very exacting. But, but, but I mean, I remember the one time when it worked, I was like, that's, that's it. That's it. That's, let's never do this again. Because it was, it was like <laughs> almost it impossible to pull off. Uh, but what that made me think of was like, and I, th- I think you're heady too. Right? I, I, I certainly can go that direction, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as like, and I don't mean in, in your play, but in your examination of improvisation. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Because uh, I was thinking like, what, I was re- uh, reading some of the things in the book, and I was like, wow, this is looking like math. This is looking. Yes, uh, I think so, because I think that sort of at its most basic level, what the aim of the book was, was to sort of give people a simple replicable set of tools that they can use over and over again like not tricks and not formulas none of that stuff but like tools like any tool you can use that tool to build whatever you want or make whatever you want but i think it's very basic the craft of improv has a certain mathematics to it that there's simple things that like make a scene work and make a scene not work and and i think that i tell people this all the time um because I talk about improv all the time and very little else. And uh, people say, well, can anyone learn to improvise? And I feel very strongly that anyone can learn the craft of improv, like how to do it. And then some people can sort of take that to the next level to make it, to ascend to the art of improv. That's my real feeling about it. And so this was really trying to get get people to, a set of tools they could use to sort of master, or at least get a handle on the craft. Right, I I can't remember if it was an an improv tip or something I read for free. Mm. but it, it, you were saying something about like when now someone, I know why improvisers aren't making money. <coughs> yeah. Miles Strauss. Because uh, <laughs> I'm I stole actually I, I think you, you're allowed to read like a chapter or something for free. Yeah. yeah. Oh yes, yes, yes. Of uh, but it was, it was something about basically when someone says something on stage, you you go you had like like twelve steps. The four step process. The four step process. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I was reading it, and I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. And what I, what I was thinking because I teach similarly, you know, I. I teach, you know, the position play. When someone says something to you, they're telling you your position and the scene type and all that. Sure. Uh, but what I've I've learned, and I'm sure you you know this already, uh, is that 
Like those steps, they seem impossible when you read them. Like I was reading them going, I can't do all these steps. Uh -huh. Except that we all do them already. Yes. Right? The, the one thing I, I mean, I think the training is off stage and on stage you play. Absolutely. 100%. It is the difference between doing like, when you, I always think of it, I tell people all the time that, I can because I talk about improv all the time, is that learning how to improvise is like learning how to fight. And so you need to have very good basic technique. You need to know how to set your feet. You know how to hold your hands. You need to know how to turn your hip. All these basic things so that when you get into a fight, you let all that go and you sort of do all that stuff instinctually. But at the time when you're learning it, we're doing everything on purpose. Right? We're doing everything sort of, we're sort of trying to, to forge these new habits, forge these new ways of thinking and reacting and doing things. So in class, we're pushing people towards this or towards that or giving them steps that they are sort of like consciously working their way through in hopes that or sort of in the pursuit of internalizing that so that you said, like, like you said now, now we sort of do it automatically. We do these things automatically and that's really what we're striving for. And sort of what I was striving for with the book was these things that I think when we were learning improv, at least when I was, it was like the teacher sort of pushing us in this way, and myself too when I started teaching, pushing us this way and that way towards experiences that we hopefully sort of resonated with and could sort of use as directions back towards this feeling. But there's a certain thing that underlies that. What makes that experience? Well, it means this four-step process. That makes this part of the experience. Or you reacting this, sort of taking what your partner says and reacting back to them. That is this sort of the process. That it's not, it is not as mysterious or ephemeral as some people want to make it. You know what I'm saying? I think there are some very specific things that we can do that make scenes better. Absolutely. And it's funny, I'm thinking... It seems to me that you and I are in similar places as far as uh, where we're at in our process, as far as examining it. Uh, <clears throat> one of the things I think that happens, and you can tell me what, 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 what you think of this, uh, I think at some point we got good, right? Uh, we got to a place Totally. Where, <laughs> totally excellent. But like, at some point you got to a place where you were a, a good improviser, and to me, it's like, well, why did, I mean, because we weren't good, then we got good. What, what changed? Yes. And to me, I think what happens for, mo for most people is what happens, you, you did it for a long time, and you were successful in moments because you were recognizing things that you didn't recognize before. Yes. Uh, and I think what you and I are both trying to do is basically break it down to, here's what we're recognizing. Yes, 100%, Miles. I, I often tell my students that the big, like at the end of level one, the biggest thing that separates me from those students who are graduating level one is experience. I have like almost 30 years in the game. So it's like, it's not that we're doing it differently. We're doing it the same way. I'm just doing it with 30 years of experience behind me. You know what I'm saying? And so like, it's so fun. It's so funny. That's to totally true. Like when we're watching, I was talking to Pat Finn about this today, is that when you're watching a scene and you see like, well, obviously that's the tag out to that. And they're like, and they're like, what? Where'd you come up with that? I'm like, cause it's the most obvious thing. It's right there in the scene. But right. you're recognizing it cause you sort of recognize like fertile territory because you've done you know, you've mistaken it a thousand times. You're like, oh, right. I fucking fuck this up a thousand times. I'm finally, and now I get it right more than I get it wrong, you know? And yes, the, the recognition of that, a recognition of roads that are sort of more fruitful and stuff is is definitely sort of something that, that, that comes with experience, for sure. Yeah, and I think that the challenge for us as, as teachers really is basically 
Because tell us that a lot of things like, well, this is obviously what you do because it's obvious, right? <laughs> uh, but then sort of take a pause and go, wait a minute, why is that obvious to yes, me? Yes, for sure. What is it that I'm seeing? Because I know like I've seen some people teach something like, you know, look, just, just pick up a cup and that should give you your whole character. Mm. And I'm like, man, you can't tell that to a student. You, you, you can't right. tell that to a beginning student because right. I know what you're saying. But a beginning student doesn't even because no, the way you hold the cup informs you of who your character likely is and where they are. What's uh -huh. your emotional reaction? I know the whole process you're going through, but you can't just skip. You hey, pick up a cup and you're done. Right. Right. You have to. The the challenge to me, and one of the it's sort of it's our own exploration of ourselves. It's like, what is it I'm recognizing? What else am I recognizing? That's totally what I try to do in in the book and in my teaching is try to sort of articulate consciously the things that we're doing like subconsciously do you know what i'm saying the things we've internalized now i'm trying to externalize like okay that's obvious because oh because then you could this and that and this is why and so that's yes 100 percent. i totally agree because that's that's the thing you're trying to sort of uh you're trying to communicate the thing that makes your experience valuable sort of do you know right so i was thinking you said you mentioned the martial art analogy. I always like that analogy. I was the, the, the simple way I saw it was like you, you know, you train like in martial arts, but then like improv is a street fight. Totally. Right. hundred uh, percent. All of that <clears throat> goes out the window. Yeah. You need to do whatever you can do to make that scene successful, to work, to move forward. And sometimes I'll be the first one to admit, you will do the exact opposite of everything you learned or everything that I taught or whatever. And it's going to kill. You have to have that freedom. You have to have that freedom. But when, when you don't get lightning in a bottle, you need to have some technique to rely on that's going to get you to that moment, that's going to, that's going to sustain you to that. Right. A, a way to analyze, I mean, you, you need a way to analyze the work you have. That's so true. Because a lot of times I, I see like one time I went to teach at this, at this college and they, were like, and they were like running a workshop and I was kind of like watching their workshop and I was like, you guys don't it was really weird to me because it's like they didn't have like an underlying philosophy of like what of the work they were doing so it's like each note the notes they were giving were just about the the exact scene that just happened applicable to nothing in the future right so if you're ever in the scene again where an alligator comes in to buy a cup of coffee you're golden otherwise disregard everything i'm saying because it doesn't have any bear you know right. you have to have some sort of like a mechanistic understanding of, of what that thing is to apply that to the future of like, oh, this is a, a, a teachable moment that we can abstract out of this and use in other situations. That's something I've been trying to push. I'm currently pushing on a class I have. It's like just making them as simple as it sounds. Just think about improv. It's just like, you know, sit somewhere and just think about a scene. Because that's, I mean, as far as like, because what it takes to get better is, is time and stage time and thinking about it and practicing, but literally just thinking about it is working the same parts of your brain that you're going to use on stage. Uh, I'll well, say on, on that note really quick, I know for myself, that's hundred percent true. When I was in Chicago when I was just got on a Herald team and we would sort of do shows and most of them were terrible, um, that I would always like walk home rather than, I didn't live that far, but I would walk rather than take a taxi or elevator. I would just walk and just like that 10, 15 minutes, just sort of go over the show and think about like what worked and what didn't work and why. And, you know, just really try to, to, to process that, you know? And I think that really, I agree. I think that really made a difference because it's not like, it's, it's like anything you want to become successful at. You do it and then you sort of say oh, what worked and what didn't work and whatever. But I think a lot of times people are just like, you know, just whatever. Oh, oh, that, well, I guess that's we'll try again next time. <laughs> like without any sort of thought about it. If you really want to get good at it, I think you're right. You need to think about it. You need to sort of really have this sort of analytical mind about like what worked, what didn't and why.
I think it's helpful to people too, just because it busts a, a kind of myth, which is because the, the, I know there's a lot of thinking in the community. It's like, what you need is that stage time. You need that precious, precious stage time to get better. That's how you get better, stage time. Mm. And I'm just like, I thought about it and I was like, well, let's see. It took me about, you know, four, uh, maybe eight years to get good, right? Sure. Now, as far as stage time, what we're talking about is shows, show time, stage time, live time. Uh, and in those eight years, the first four years, I didn't do any shows, right? No, I was just taking classes and watching shows. Sure. Didn't do any shows. And then when, I, when the family actually got going, we did maybe one show a week, right, uh, for a couple of years. Right. So, and then you guys were doing like four shows a week and killing it like crazy. Uh, but, but, but for a short amount of time. Yes, yes, yes. My, my point being is you. that in those years, yes. it's like if, if I added up all the stage time, I could probably pack it into a month, sure. right? Absolutely. So if it's the stage time that made me better, I should be able to get better in a month. But it's not the stage time that made me better. It's the hanging out with people and talking with them about it and thinking right. about it and analyzing right. it. It's, it's the reps. It's the reps. And the reps aren't necessarily in front of an audience. And the reps aren't even necessarily external. It's internal too, like that internal work you're doing and sort of talking about it and thinking about improv. Like if you, I mean, I think you're like me in the sense that I caught fire on improv. Like I caught fire on, I couldn't not think about improv. So it was right. very easy to think about it. But uh, yes, for sure. Thinking about it, think about what worked about the show and why. When you're getting notes, your coach hopefully is giving you notes of like what worked and what didn't and why. And, right. wh and what teachable moments can we bring forward? And then you think about that. You know, and then when you're warming up, think about the, those notes from before. Like, how can we implement them tonight? And, you know, th that, that kind of thing. But I think sometimes people just come to it like baby ducks. Like, every day is a brand new day. Like, oh, this is my first show again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, no, don't do that. It's don't not good. It. I, 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 I hear so much of myself and you because I mean, you also strike me as someone basically just like you think about this all the time right i do oh yeah me, me too I, it's like if, if, it is i caught fire in improv when i was in college so hard it it radically like changed the course of my life for sure and now i literally see everything through the lens lens of improv like when i when i'm talking i have two kids a four-year-old and a seven-year-old and that's like wrangling cats and sometimes when they're super disagreeable my wife is an improviser as well we'll say hey can we get a little yes and up in here what do we do come on can we get a little yes and from you guys what's happening and they're like no my daughter's like a little my daughter's like a little Svengali. Like she'll come up with like scenarios. She'll be like, okay, let's say you're in the kitchen, you say, I heard a sound. Where did that sound come from? And then we'll do that and I'll be like, hey, where'd that sound come from? She's like, No. You have to say I heard a sound. Back to one, start over. Like, like, oh Jesus. Word perfect on your crazy scenarios. We get it. <laughs> that's great. I have the same thing with my, you know, my kids. With one of the main things is like I'm always doing bits with my daughter, and sometimes if if if, if I go too far, all all of a sudden here's the dad. I said and scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I have. I have to teach my kids that and scene. And I taught them some bits. So we do some bits, but and scene. That'll be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was, I was thinking something about the. The martial arts thing because it was another analogy i was trying to th I, I don't think this is finished in my mind but i was thinking about how getting better it's like did i become you know more clever or faster and i'm and i'm, and I'm, I'm i don't think i became i think incidentally you become more clever but really sort of like martial arts i became more efficient here like, yes. I, like I think there are some people who are just very fast right and i think i've become faster but i'm actually i'm more my improvement is really more in efficiency than speed. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think of like a guy who's trained 
to block a punch, right? Mm -hmm. He's he recognizes the shoulder dropping or, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. and the punch is coming. So he's recognizing a bunch of things. He's been trained to block it. He's going to block it, and he's going to appear very fast in doing it, as opposed to a guy who's never seen a punch before but blocks it. That guy's fast, mm -hmm. right? Because he doesn't totally. have the training. He's just he's just that fast. Right. In Aikido, they have a saying that sort of goes with this too, which is a beginner uses <coughs> big circles and a master uses small circles. Like if you ever see someone who's like really great at Aikido, it looks like they're doing nothing and people are just flying of their own accord because they're just using tiny little movements that sort of like are just the exact thing they need to do at that moment, just the exact sort of pressure or angle or whatever that sort of gets that thing to happen. Do you know? And you don't have to like. And that's why you see younger teams a lot of times over talk and like da, 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 there's so much going on. It's like, oh, like talking, 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 talking. Right. And they can't afford a silence or they can't afford a moment, you know? Right. And I, I tell my kids all the time that not my kids, my students that um, that to, to me, they are in a way uh, that, that to me, one of the demonstrations of mastery of the form is the ability to be comfortable with and use silence. Right. Because that's like that's like when you've like you're cool. It's like when you fall in love with someone and then you you can just sit there in silence with them for a moment. Like it's just like you just can chill. One of the things I, I like the, the common mistakes. Like if someone starts a scene and the other person in the scene like doesn't get it, they think it's like oh my god they said something and I don't know the game of the scene. I don't know what's going on. And it's like did it? it it's like it's not that you didn't get it. They didn't say it yet, right? Just relax. Right. Relax and wait a second. Right. They'll say something else. Right. And then you'll probably get it. And react to what you do know. Like, react to what you're... Like, you're, it's like... I think a lot of people are outwardly focused on, like, oh, this mysterious game of the scene. I've discovered, like, a fucking treasure map. And a, where's that unicorn at? I gotta find it. Whatever. It's like... It's, you make, you're, it's a lot more in your control, I think. So I, I keep going back to how we view the, the game of the scene. Like, currently... It's funny, because, like, I tend to say everything like it's been true for a thousand years uh but it really is it's, it's always changing like the way i teach now is different than the way i taught you know two years ago uh because the how, it has to be that otherwise you'd stop uh but like the, to me like one of the most significant things about the game of the scene is really that to me it's built into the scene uh meaning like i i see scenes as occurring in types and one is like a straight absurd scene mm -hmm. where it's like i'm doing something crazy and you're saying that's crazy you're, you're an idiot uh, now, the game of that scene is that I'm absurd and you're straight. That's always going to be the game of that scene. Mm -hmm. The details are going to make it. Sure. Uh, you know, it could go on. You can make, there could be a billion different scenes like that, but that's always going to be the game. And I think that's the whole, there's a, there's this thing out there, like the game of the scene is something that's that's out there or that's, it's, it can't, you have to find it. I'm like, no, it's in the scene. Right. Uh, I agree. I think I have spent a lot of years Searching for the game of the scene. <laughs> and I remember how frustrating it was, especially when we were in Chicago, how frustrating it was trying to figure that out and find that and like, oh, what is the game? How do I find the game? You know? And then, you know, that just changed my view of it. What do you think of the game of the scene? I think it's, it's, it's your character and my character rubbing up against each other. Because your character has a game that he plays, I have a game that I play, and then the, those two things rubbing up against each other, that's the game of that scene. I always use the friends example. Like everyone in friends has, is, has a really clear archetype. Like Ross is the nerdy one. Joey's the dumb one. Chandler's the sarcastic one. Monica's a control freak. Rachel's the princess and Phoebe's the, 
the, the, the ditzy one or the spacey one, you know? And that's all they do for like 10 years, that's all they do. And so each scene is basically two of those ideas in a, in a situation, that's the triangle of the scene. Like it's Ross, the nerdy one, and Joey, the dumb one, renewing their driver's licenses. So it's like those two guys rubbing up against each other, that's create, that creates the game of that scene. And that's a different scene than Ross and Chandler renewing their driver's right. license because their games rub up against each other in a different way. All right, I think I, I think I agree with the, the, the way I, to me, like the game of those scenes, to me, that is what I would call a, a character-driven scene. Uh, you're talking about archetypical characters. Sure. Right? And basically, the, what's built in to all those scenes is allow your archetype or your, your character to perceive the world, to explore the world. Yes. And that's all you have to do, and yeah. there's there's the game of the scene. That's, that's very much it, yeah. Uh, it's so easy. It's so easy now. Uh, <clears throat> it's it it is improv in a, a lot of ways is the process of simplifying, stripping away a lot of bad habits and sort of getting down to the just that simple thing. Like it's like usually people usually people fail not by doing too little, but by doing too much. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's like just less, less. I, I say this to us all the time. I like less. Just what you're doing, but less. And then cause just get down to the simple core thing of what it really is. And just do that. All right. I forgot to do this last week. I definitely okay. want to get we to go. it this week. Let's get some of these questions that yes. came in through the internet or people wrote them on their way into the theater today. Great. Uh, what is the end goal for MSW now? Um, that's for me, I have apparently, uh, to rule the world and to heal it. Uh, and by the way, I'll say it now. Just That makes me think of it. We have a name for the theater, finally. Uh, oh after months goodness. of just trying to we're going to call it hammerstone theater so that's going to be the name of the theater uh you heard it here first that these are old questions okay uh all right here's fine i don't know what is your best memory with each other on stage oh my gosh our best memory on stage with each other with each other so we both have to have been on that we both were on stage at some point i would say probably for me probably doing like Dynamite Fun Nest, like when uh, Sharna called me. This is like, I, can I just set the stage for this a little bit? Sure. So when I was in Chicago, uh, at the time, there was really one team to rule them all. And that was the family, the team that Miles was on. And they were so good that they made me mad. Like, I would leave the show and be like, God damn it. Fuck, that was so, God damn, that show was good. Fucking shit i'd be so fucking mad that it was so good and just like sort and also this sort of ennui of like oh but i'll never play with those guys and just like this sort of so then one night mysteriously uh uh adam mckay had gotten into second city and was working a lot and this sort of thing and so sharna uh halpern uh called me and said do you want to play in dynamite fun nest which is basically like saying like hey little league guy do you want to go play with the yankees and i was like Yes, I'll be there. And so I show up and everyone's like casual and cool and I've got a tie on. It's like clearly like it was clearly like my fucking first day of school, you know? And I was like I was clearly the new guy and Neil was like, Hey, what's up? It's like, uh, Sharna said I should come play with you guys tonight. Okay. Like whatever. But I remember just doing those shows, like what a rush it was and how fun it was uh doing those shows. We were doing 
um, three forms. We were doing the movie, we were doing the impressionist horror, yeah. and we were doing the deconstruction, right? I think. Is or a Herald, maybe? I, I think the first thing we called it a, a check-in a check in, in expansion, which Ooh. was really, a, it, it, someone would tell, talk about their week, and then we'd do a deconstruction basically following it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes. And then the, and then the horror and the yes, movie. Yes, the impressionist horror, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, uh, I don't remember playing a lot with you. I remember, I mean, my, my, my favorite thing, watching you on, st on, on stage is speed. You guys were actually, I mean, I remember back then, the, tri the tribe was the team he was on back in the day, and uh, they used to do the movie. And I remember watching it going, they're faster than us. And they're all in suits. Uh, Our suits. But you guys were just crazy fast. Uh, and, you, and you still are. I mean, I, I see you on stage, and it just like, it's like you hear something, it's like, all right, this, 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 and this. Uh, it's really fun to watch. And it's funny. I also think, like, one, the, one, these questions I have, I just went through a few of them. These are from the first week we did this, so these are old questions. Oh, my goodness. So if we could actually, anyone oh, here, anyone here oh have a question? Oh, my gosh, from the audience. Yeah, right oh, there. great. Um, Hi, what's your name? Alyssa. Alyssa. Hi. Um, so I'm one of those enterprises where I'm, always, I'm very analytical. Yes. I read a lot about it. I talk a lot about it. I, I dissect things after shows. Great. Yeah. So how do you find, I mean, it's so easy to be like, well, then just let it go. Sure. Like, it's super easy to say that. Um, but I guess for me, like, I'm having a hard time finding that balance of, like, keeping all of that there and letting it, does that make sense? Totally. Can I I'll make two, say two things about that? One is, um, I think, you know, Picasso had these three rules of art, which were, one, learn all the rules. Two, practice it until you can do it perfectly by the rules. And then three, break all the rules or let it all go, right? So you're sort of like in that second stage where everything's sort of still there and it's like everything has like, oh, this is all like pictures and diagrams and like all that stuff. I totally get that. Just keep at it. Just keep in that phase. Embrace that phase. It will internalize and seep into your bones and, and eventually you'll be able to let it go more and more. One way I think that is super helpful to help you let it go is focus on your partner. If you focus on your, your brain can really only focus on one thing at a time, really. If we, if we seem like we're focusing on more than one thing at a time, we're focusing on several things in sequence, one at a time, right? So in a scene, if I focus on my partner, then I can't be focused on me. I can't be in my head. I'm focused on them and facilitating them. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I think that takes some of the, some of the, out of it because you're not focusing on yourself and like, oh, what do I do? And what are, I'm just focusing on my partner. And then the second part of that is say something about what they just said. That keeps you in the moment and that keeps you sort of uh, other focused. And that I think that may help. Does that seem practical and doable? Yeah, Try it out for size and see what you think. I, th I think it's also like when like you're doing something that annoys you, right? Yeah. You get on stage and you're thinking, right? You get on stage and you're thinking. Uh, and analyze that. Mainly it's like, oh, that annoys me. And every time you do it, it's going to annoy you, and it's not going to help you. And that's going to start pissing you off uh, to the point where eventually, because in, 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 in my span, it always seemed like I'd think a lot and work on it and work on it and work on it and try and get better and not get better and get on stage and think, and look, I'm, I'm doing all this thinking. I'm trying to get better. Why aren't I getting better? And usually after about two years of that, I would have a moment where I'd just say, fuck it. I can't, I'm not doing this anymore. Fuck this shit. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm just going to get on stage and do whatever the fuck because fuck this shit. 
and that night I would have the best show I've had, right? And it's because it's, it's funny, and it, 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 as far as thinking on stage, it took me until like five years ago to stop really thinking on stage because uh, it, it doesn't really help you. And especially what, cause what you're talking about is like you're thinking instead of playing, yeah. right? And just, is it helping? No. So why do I keep doing it? I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but you do. I mean, you're thinking because it's, uh, your mind is a useful thing. Thinking is a safe place, right? Uh, and you don't really want to be in a safe place up here. I mean, you, you want to be in a place where shit just spills out and you chase it and you have fun. Right, and the thing you recognize is the training is off stage. Me and this one right here train like crazy mentally, right? But then we let it all go when we play, right? We're just, I mean, and you've seen me play enough where it's like, it's just silly. Some of it's just nonsense, right? Because that's all it has to be sometimes. And thinking on stage just is going to, it'll kill you. Uh, that's what I got on that. Yeah. Uh, I think I, that's a great question. Does that seem helpful? Yeah, back there. What's funny to me is like I, 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 it's like you do know the answer to this question, and it's so funny to me. It's so many, so many times the answer to an improv question is like in, in the question, like how do you think about improv? Like, well, what do I know about improv? I think about that. That's it. I mean, basically, what do you know about improv? You think about that. What have I seen? I think about that, right? I, I, I just, I just think about it. It's like, if, like if I wanted to think about flowers, I would think about well, what kind of flowers have I seen? What kind of smells can I remember? I would just think about it. Right, and just the thinking about it is is, is the work. Uh, yeah, and I think that's that's true. I mean, just sort of. Like, I I would always I would oftentimes think like retrospectively about a show that just happened, sort of like as I said, breaking it down. But also coming to see shows and coming to see shows that are good and coming to see shows that maybe aren't as good because you get to see like all the the choices that people are making. That's for me one of the great things about. Uh, when we were at the I.O. in Chicago is that we could go see shows for free. And I was there like, you know, I was on, like I said, I was on fire for it. So I was there like six nights a week, like seeing shows. I would look at my girlfriend and be like, what do you want to do tonight? You want to go to I.O.? Okay, great. And then we'd like run <laughs> over like finally, you know. And so, uh, but we just see so many shows and just like seeing what were, like just watching people and and just sort of like the sh the, the, the the choices they would make and sort of the, the routes they would take. And then sort of like thinking about that, I'm like, oh, look at that. That's that. Because I think when you watch it as just an audience member, as a civilian or whatever, you just let it wash over you. As you should, just let it wash over you as an experience. But when you're watching it as another improviser, you should really be thinking about it and like what what made that work or what was that choice or where did that come from? And talking to that, you know, if you can talk to that person after, where, what were you thinking when that happened or whatever, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think anything, like I said, everything in my life sort of eventually sort of if I talk about it for more than a minute, it comes back to improv. So I sort of see everything that that way. But but yeah, just scenes that I've seen or done or yeah, what if, what if I initiated that way or what about this or I'll read an article about it or I'll see a video about it. And, you know, and that, that gets me thinking. I think about that for a little while. And, and, and it, it isn't like like there's like, well, here's the things you have to think about. Right. Right. Because basically, as you were asking the question, you're like, what? So I just think about a scene and what might happen. Yeah, sure. Do that. Totally. I, I think about... A suggestion of what I might do? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But basically, anything you can imagine that might happen is good thinking. 
Yeah, there's um, an exercise that I tell students uh, that come to class often like, oh, it's only once a week. What do I do in the meantime? And I sort of give them this exercise that I call the solo practice exercise, which is give yourself a big playable gift. Like, oh, if someone said to me, like, if I tried to, if I said to someone, oh, you're greedy, that could be a big playable gift. And if someone thought to me, what could, how could I play that? Oh, I could, uh, I could have a big sack that has a dollar sign on it. I could grab all the donuts in the break room. I could uh, just be greedy for their attention and whatever. It's just like trying things out, like flexing those muscles a little bit of like you know just not that you're planning things ahead or sort of like writing a list but just sort of like getting used to the idea of like getting a gift and like exploring exploring like exploring the world you know so all kinds of different ways to think about it it's like I bet, I bet if you watch improv I know I know this is true of me I bet if you watch improv and you see something like oh I, I wish I could do that better I wish I could do oh, that yeah. better sure then it's like all right now you know what to work on now you know what what to think about uh, there are some people I know some people have taken the, the tack where they like they have a favorite player and they'll watch that person all the time all the time and sort of like suck everything they can out of that person and they're like okay I think I think I've got a handle on that and they sort of go to another person you know Dell used to say you call it plagiarism I call it research you know <laughs> find someone great and steal from them you know I think that's all we have oh my gosh time for can we, can we answer one more question no, one more question sure yeah I mean, I, mean, I, I it's funny because I, I, I don't even know because I, I don't think of it like that. To me, it's like, to, how do I de develop my voice? I develop me. Uh, it's like, because I am basically on stage, I'm my reaction. And my reaction is based on who I've made myself. Mm. Uh, so my voice comes from a lifetime of making me. And no matter who you are, you're already enough. Right. Uh, if, if you see yourself lacking in some way, then you, you'll probably correct it. Right. Uh, but there's no like like I'm not me trying to be someone else, trying to make me into someone else. I don't think that's I don't think that would make any sense. Yes, I agree. And I think so the, one of the things that sort of caught me on fire about improv when I first saw it was the thing that you bring to it is you. Like everything you've said or thought or done or experienced in your life, that's what you bring to it. Everything. And so for me. <clears throat> Improv is the medium. It's like learning how to paint. If you can learn how to mix the paint and apply it to the canvas, then you can paint anything you want and your artistic vision comes through that. So I think it's just like, it's like the same thing with improv. If you sort of learn the, the, the basics, the craft of improv, like how to do a scene, then once you sort of get that down and you're not just trying to keep your fucking head above water and not drown in the scene, then you have a chance to start just letting yourself out. And just like you have that, you have, like Miles says, you are enough, you have that point of view. But by the same token, some of the most improvisers I know are some of the smartest people I know. Well-rounded, well-read, interested, curious. They just get involved in things. They read about things. They sort of talk about things. And it's like, it's fun to talk to them because they have some, some life experiences or, or, or curiosity about stuff. So, you know, put, put stuff in the tank. Put stuff in the tank that you can, that, that you can use. You know, Dell for me was a fucking genius he would like you'd ask him a question be like well i think there's a book and he would like quote like a page of a book you'd be like motherfucker like he's like super deep and super smart about stuff you know what i'm saying but um yeah i think it, like like miles said if you feel like you're lacking someone just 
work on that, like experience that. And, but, but improv is the medium that lets you let yourself out. And the more you simplify that, the clearer that lens gets and the more your, your particular point of view can come through. This reminds me very briefly, like I remember the idea of putting stuff in the tank, meaning filling your mind with wonderful things and information. And it's something my, my, my mother used to say to me, well, here we go. Uh, which was, you know, basically in reference to that, if you were stranded on a desert island, how rich would you be? Because all you would have is what's in your mind. Uh, and so the, something you should be doing in life is constantly trying to make yourself rich in that way. Uh, I think we should now do a set. And scene. Yeah. And <laughs>